Hey there, listeners. This is Mike McGinnis here. Just a quick bit of business to take care of before we get started. Beginning with episode 127, NoQuarterPodcast.com, and of course iTunes will be the only way to get our new episodes. Our archive of previously published shows will always be available at the old MonsterFeet.com site, but following the release of this very episode you're about to listen to right now, there won't be any more updates ever. So head on over to NoQuarterPodcast.com and subscribe to our new feed or find us on iTunes. Again, that's NoQuarterPodcast.com. I'm Carrington Vanston. And I'm Mike McGinnis. And this is No Quarter, the classic arcade podcast. Isn't it, Mike? Isn't it? Finally. Yes, it's been a few weeks. It's, uh, well, geez, I think we're coming up on 126. Is that what this is? Something like that? Something like that. In, in metric, it's show 100. It's a nice round number in Canada. We, we do not, our numbers a little differently. And I, I guess this is normally where you and I would talk about what we did and things like that. But I, I got I to gotta air a grievance with you because... I, I'm not happy with this week's game selection. This week's game, I don't even remember what this week's game is. It's the one that you keep nagging me. Every, I, I can't believe we're, we're 125 episodes in, and every week you've asked for this, even before we played the first Elevator Action. Oh, that's right. This week is Elevator Action 2. Yeah, yeah, and, and I've had it. I, I'm, every, every time I call you first thing in the morning, can we play Elevator Action 2? Uh, no, you can't, and we're not playing that this week. Yes, we are. No, we're not. You can, yes, we are. No. I'm, I'm going to make us play that. <laughs> I'm going to ban you if you say it. You, you wouldn't dare. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do the, the, uh, the, the jewels thing and say, 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 say elevator action one more time. <laughs> elevator action one more time. You're banned. Man, i to do a show. Um, let's see. Skype, Skype, contacts. Oh, I bet he'd do a show with me. Call him. Uh, Mike. Good morning. Hey, Rob. It's uh, it's Mike McGinnis. Hey, what, what's no quarter show? Yeah, yeah. Well, we've uh, we had a bit of a problem. I have uh, banned that stupid Canuck. I've I'm done with his uh, his <laughs> antics. We, I can't do this anymore. And uh, I need a a this pot this this podcast. The format just does not work with a uh, with a single host. So I need somebody to fill in. And I was hoping that would be you. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah, sure. Why not? Well, that was easy. I figured I'd have to twist your arm a little bit. No, I'm, well, you woke me up already with Skype, so <laughs> here I am. So, uh, Rob, what would you like to play? Uh, you, you know, what's funny. I was just, uh, I just went on a cross country road trip and I was listening to all the old episodes of No Quarter. So I am caught up. I've listened to every episode and, uh, there's a lot of one that man. I was, it was a long trip. I drove all the way across country and, um, there was one episode that stuck out, and it was a game that you hated and that I loved, and that was Elevator Action. Oh, no. And so, uh, you know what? I would if, if I get to pick today, and this is the first show that I'm going to be on, you know what I would pick would be Elevator Action 2. 
No! I think that's lovely. <laughs> <laughs> and scene. All right. So uh, obviously we were having a little fun with everyone. And I'm here with hosts old and new. Uh, Carrington, say hello to everyone. I'm host, host old? <laughs> well, you will You're not sure. like my new nickname. <laughs> you, it's, it's either that or I could call you band host. <laughs> I'm, there's honor in being banned. Some of our best <laughs> listeners have been banned. In fact, I think most of our best listeners have been banned. I, yes, I've been banned. <laughs> Well, I'm sure you have too. Um, some some people have secret bands that they don't even know about. Uh, so Carrington, what's going on here? Why 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 are why are you leaving us? Because you banned me. Well, Did you hear? And I've been sitting here in tears ever since. No, just schedule, scheduling issues. So alas, uh, cannot continue. But the show will continue, which I'm delighted about. Yes, the show. Finally, somebody who knows what he's doing <laughs> is going to be on this oh, show. Boy. So it'll be refreshing. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, the show must go on, as the as the phrase phrasing goes. Uh, I guess what a week or so ago, week two weeks, something like that. You'd said that this just wasn't working out. I had been. Out for a couple of weeks with a nasty cold, and then the scheduling stuff was getting tighter, and it would have been like a month without doing a show, and uh, I just didn't, well, you didn't feel that that was um, okay to do, and uh, so you quit, but uh, we do have a new co-host. You've heard his voice, I think, already in the background. Say hello, new co-host. Hello, everybody. This is Rob O'Hara, the new co-host of the No Quarter Podcast. Hooray! And I'm sure some of us have, uh, some of the listeners have figured this out already, but uh, we tried to keep it a secret. Hopefully we did a good job. Anyway, um, thank you for 125 wonderful weeks, Carrington. Did we do 126? Uh, did we? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, we kind of fudged it here and there, and uh, I think we were pretty consistent, though, for the most part. I, anyway, I just, um, I had a great time working with you, and uh, it was fun. And now, get off my show. All right, so again, that was uh, one co-host exiting and a new one entering the show. Um, welcome, Rob. Thank you. Thanks, man. I am glad to be here. Uh, Carrington leaves some awful uh, big shoes. I don't know what size. Those would be a Canadian, but <laughs> I'm sure they are um, a weird Canadian size. Awful being the operative word there, yes. No, you guys have put on <laughs> a, a great show. It's had a long run, and... Uh, so I'm excited to come in. You know, the three of us have talked a little bit over the last week, and, and I said, uh, I don't know that uh, you could ever fully replace Curly, but I will be the best shimp that I can be. <laughs> <laughs> so, But, uh, man, I'm excited. You know that I have a, a long history with uh, arcade games and video games, and so I just hope that uh, people keep listening and that we have just as much fun as you guys have, and, and I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to playing all these games, including this week's game. It seems very exciting. Yeah, so let's get right into it. We won't do any feedback this week, obviously, because most of it was people going, is there a show? Yes, there's a show. So, uh, yeah, Elevator Action, a, a, a 1994 game. Wow. Actually, by uh, Taito, 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 um, uh, however you pronounce that. You know, what's funny is uh, I went back and listened to the, uh, I told you I did, I really did go back and listen to all the old episodes. And on uh, Elevator Action was episode 10 of No Quarter. Wow. And that's the first episode where you two discussed the pronunciation of Taito. So that <laughs> question has been going on for 116 episodes now. So we, we have to, I think we have to put it to rest. I think we have to say it's Taito and just leave it at that. Sounds good to me. 
So this game was released in, in 1994, 11 years after the original Elevator Action. And I, I don't know that this is a sequel so much as a remake, because am I right there? Is that This didn't feel like a, a continuation of a previous storyline no. so much as a retelling of the original game. Yeah, it's very, very different. And um, I mean, the, the gameplay, there's... The basics, I guess you would say. I mean, as far as there are elevators <laughs> and there are doors <laughs> to go in, that part's the same. But uh, it, it's definitely the next generation of games. And, and there's no characters, you know, that um, I guess, what was his name? Otto, the, <laughs> the agent mm-hmm. from the first game. Otto is nowhere to be found in this game. No, in this game, you can choose between the, your starting characters. You can play Cart uh, Bradfield. You can play... Edie Brett or Beret, I'm not sure, or you could play uh, Jad the Taff. And, and I like that because uh, EA2 or Elevator Action Returns, as it's called, if you're not in North or South America, because it's so late, it has a very um, anime-ish feel to the, the cutscenes and the attract screens. And when you start this thing out, you get the little graphics that uh, remind, actually remind me a lot of the way when you choose a character in a fighting game like Mortal Kombat, you get a little action hero shot or something like that and there's there's some some great sound effects to even to that part of it and as as much as uh, it feels like a kind of a serious sort of game there's a lot of humor and even at the very beginning it, it starts out because when you choose your characters Kurt, for example, has the Glog 18 instead of the Glock. And uh, Edie has the, the Beretta instead of the Beretta. And, and Jed, and the reason I noticed this was because uh, Jad the Taff has the desert, the desert Eagle instead of the Desert Eagles. So. <laughs> right. Did, um, did you find, I, I don't know, I, I assume that, did you play the game with all three different characters? I did. Uh, I, I quickly found that the Cart was my favorite. There, there's three settings. Uh, there was a speed, there was the gun, and then there was their power. And they all have a little bit, di- you know, so to try to differentiate between them. But each, you, well, you mentioned that they all have different guns, but they also have different bombs uh, that they can use. And Edie has a fire bomb that will just light up the entire hallway with fire. Um, so that was useful, but I ended up playing and what I got my ultimate high score with was with Jad the Taff. I don't know what a Taff is. Uh, and his bombs, uh, when you lay them out, they don't go off until someone touches it. So I found that worked pretty well, but also if you run, you know, if you double tap in one direction, your character runs and when Jad, because he's the biggest guy, when he runs into people, it's like he just attacked him. So when there were hallways full of people, I just found I could run with that guy all the way across the screen and it would knock everybody down. So, Oh, that's cool. Yeah, I didn't even notice yeah, that. Yeah, so that got me, in, in a couple of the later uh, levels, that got me further than I could get with the other guys. I, and also, Jad is the slowest of the three in running, but I never felt like that was a problem. <laughs> like, there's so much going on in this game and you're constantly moving. I never felt like, I wish things were going faster. <laughs> like, that never came up for me. <laughs> Well, that was one of the complaints uh, about the first game. One of the things that I hated most about it is in the original elevator action, I just you always felt like you were moving in molasses. You know, mm. you never quite fast enough, and it was frustrating. And I, there was a long list of things I didn't like about that game, and I don't remember what they were. I didn't bother to go back and revisit uh, the original for this one, but I, I it did this did immediately feel a lot quicker, uh, more responsive. And so, so when you start out, you start out, the, I guess, premise of the game is the same. You're 
collecting these documents from from this building and you start at the top of the building and work your way down instead of instead of like a lot of games where you start at the bottom and work to the top. The idea here is that you you collect documents from behind the red doors and continue to make your way to the bottom of the building and when you make it to the bottom then you start again at the top of the next building. The difference between returns and the original is that in the original that's all you did. In this one you have areas where so so just like the first portion of the game is the buildings, but then after that you're in like um, you go into a sewer and there's an underground arcade and a couple of other scenarios and there's just there's a lot more to it and I guess that's to be expected because it's 11 years down the road. So, uh, but I had a, a distinctly superior experience playing this game as opposed to the first one. Yeah, the uh, the graphics are definitely updated. There were several games like DOS games around that time that I remember, like Blackthorn was one and Flashback was one where you had these really highly detailed backgrounds and then the characters were smaller but but very detailed and it reminded me of that same art style. Um, like you mentioned in the opening that you have this little anime, you know, cut sequence where you get to see all three of, uh, the, I don't know what they are. They're not really spies. I don't know. They're agents. They're, I don't know. They're almost, I guess, military, like more than, uh, there's no covert in this operation, (laughs) you know, in the (laughs) first, the first one, I felt like, uh, you were just sneaking around and sneaking into these doors and you were happening to be caught. Uh, but in this one, I mean, it's all out. War. I mean, there are there are lots of uh, people attacking you, and and bombs and robots and and everything. So there's no there's no subterfuge. <laughs> no, it's uh it's all brass and bravado, and there's there's there's, there's uh, no subtlety at all to the game, which is fine because again, there's plenty more to do in this one than there was in the first. And I, I like that you know there's you can just sort of run down the hallway and shoot and shoot and and try to avoid their bullets, but. There's there's definite definite tactics that you can use as well as you said you know that the characters have different weapons that they can deploy or you can just run them down if you play Jad uh, but you can you know kick a barrel over and let it roll down the yeah. uh, hallway and if it's an exploding barrel you know that you can shoot it at just the right moment when there's a bunch of guys at the other end of the hall and you can blow them all up at once mm-hmm. uh, which is cool and if you're if you run up on if you run up close enough to get into hand to hand combat you get extra points for for beating guys up with your hands you get even more points if you can trap them under an elevator and squash them there's just so much more to this game it made a huge difference for me in, in how much i i enjoyed the the gameplay uh the other thing that's that's fun uh, that we should talk about is the blue doors mm, yeah yeah so well you mentioned uh, you could just run and shoot but uh the blue door so the red door is obviously the goal is you know to go in all the red doors and get the secret documents but the blue doors have bonus items that you can get. There was, let's see, there were a lot of things that were just points. Uh, There were also health meters and bombs. And next to a lot of those uh, doors, you would find like little piles of rubble or different things you could blow up. And those also had guns that you could upgrade to. There was a uh, a rocket launcher, uh, which had the little letter L, Mm. and a machine gun with the letter M. Now, those had limited amounts of shots. I think each time, I think the rocket launcher was 20 a machine gun was 100, uh, but your normal handgun has unlimited shots. So, uh, you know, you get the rocket launcher. The rocket launcher! The rocket launcher made me feel like the scene from the first RoboCop <laughs> where the, he gets the giant gun and he shoots the car and it blows up and he says, oh, I like it. I mean, that, when I got the rocket launcher in this game and the first time you fire it, it kills everybody 
that gets hit with the rocket. Then it hits the end of the hallway. It explodes. If there are lights above you, they'll fall down. Uh, and when I did that the first time, I said, I like it. <laughs> and I just <laughs> ran around blowing things up at the rocket launcher. I thought that was a lot of fun. Yeah, there's there's a lot to like about this game, um, and dare I say it, I this is probably one of my my favorite sort of side-scrolling run-and-gun shooters. I unfortunately this it came out in '94, and that was kind of at the height of the the Mortal Kombat, Street Fighter fighting game mania. Mm -hmm. So this I think was largely sort of slipped under the radar. I don't know that I remember ever actually seeing one of those in an arcade at the time. You know, I've since seen it at the, kind of the retro arcades that I visit these days, but. Uh, I don't. I don't remember hearing or seeing a lot of of this when it came out. Did did, did you uh, see it a lot, Rob? No, I don't ever remember seeing it back in the day. I think, um, like you said, you know, it was at that time where fighting games were really taking over, moving into arcades, and obviously the fighting games, those, uh, you know, Mortal Kombat, Street Fighter, all those uh, tech and those type of games where you would you know put in a quarter or 50 cents in some places play somebody get beat in 30 seconds and then put more money in obviously those were huge <laughs> money draws you know so uh, the old school type games i don't know that they were getting uh, as much play back then yeah and that's unfortunate because this is a really great title uh that the graphics are colorful and bright and, and they're fun to look at but never there's never so much going on that it's confusing or difficult to see where you're supposed to go. I, I never felt like, as I was playing the game, there was only one sort of catching point, I guess, if you want to call it that, where that didn't make a lot of sense to me until I figured it out. And that's that they have these walls, the kind of low walls that sort of take up just slightly more than half the, mm, mm -hmm. half the hallway. And if you just walk up to it and hit the jump button and then try to move over, you, you're not going to get over it. You actually have to take a running jump and then you can jump over that. It took me a minute to figure that out because there was no visual indicator that that's what you were supposed to do. I thought, well, maybe I can blow this thing up. No, nope, that's not working. So that was a, a little bit annoying at first, but man, I can't find a whole lot not to like about this game. Yeah, there was, a, well, I tell you, you know, I'm a fan of the original. I know you're not a fan of the original. <laughs> I went back and listened to that episode. And you said you would never play that game again, uh, which made me so sad. You know, Elevator Action is the first arcade cabinet I ever bought. It's the first game I ever purchased. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I, I play, so maybe that's why I have... Uh, uh, an affection for it because it was in my kitchen at the time and I played it every day, you know. Um, but there were a lot of things, a lot of things I didn't like about this game were because I was comparing it to the original. So there were things mm. I expected to be able to do in this game that were different than the original. Um, in the original, you can control the elevators at any time. So you could go halfway up. Uh, and then shoot like right at the ground level, like shoot at someone's feet and then pull the elevator back down. So it's like almost right. like you're sneaking up and down in elevator action two, you can't change the direction in between floors of the elevator. So a lot of times what I wanted to do was go up a level and shoot all the guys and then sneak back down. But what happens is when you press up, you go all the way up and then I would have a face full of bullets basically. Also, you can't shoot while you're jumping, uh, which is different. Uh, you know, in the other game, you could you could jump right. and shoot mm -hmm. over the people. Um, but I did like, and maybe this is, uh, I don't know if this is just because newer games, they don't want to kill you quite as easily. They had a little mercy on us, but you can't just walk into the elevator shaft. I noticed it wouldn't let me, not that I was trying to, I just noticed a couple of times where I was walking across the thing and, and it, now you can jump into it and I was able to kill myself uh, multiple times doing that on accident. <laughs> but yeah, you can't just walk into the open hole, which is probably good. 
I feel like the, the changes that they made to eliminate some of the old techniques, they, they did a good job of balancing it out with other ways to, um, to, to play and win. Like, like I said, you know, there was the, you can roll the explosive barrel down the hall and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I'll probably end up softening on the original and go back and play it at some point. Um, ah, a convert. But, We're uh, going to get you back over. You know, <laughs> well, now that Carrington's not here, I don't have to like be stubbornly prideful <laughs> against playing you it. Know you know what? I'm glad that we've, I feel like we brought the show back to America. You know what I mean? We've brought it back and now it's like, it's now the show is American as uh, uh, hamburgers and, and, f- ooh, and French ooh, fries. I mean, don't have to say Z anymore. Don't have to, you could say Z. You're free. You're free from the <laughs> Z. We are now as America as uh, Canadian bacon on pizza. I mean, I, I feel like uh, we've brought the show back home. Team America. American is basketball and hockey. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, you know, uh, another thing that kind of bothered me about this game, and, and uh, I see that you get points for shooting the lights, but that was a big part of the first game was shooting right, the yeah. lights out and making the, the play field dark. And so I kept shooting the lights thinking that that would do something, and, and you do get 100 points for it, but... Uh, but I was never able to, I, and I thought maybe you have to shoot all the lights out on a screen or something, but, um, I was just never, then I never got that to do anything. There were security cameras too. I, did you see those? Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. And so I shot those and, and I, I thought, well, maybe if you shot that out, like the people wouldn't know you were there or something, but I it didn't, it didn't do anything noticeable that I noticed. Yeah. Yeah. I think that kind of goes hand in hand with the, the whole philosophy of, Let's make this uh, less subtle and more run and gun, which, you know, if you're trying to compete with games like Mortal Kombat where you're ripping spines out of your opponents and things like that, mm-hmm. your, your subtlety is not something that you're going to want to be going for. Right. This is more action movie. Mm, less, yeah. It's less spy movie. It's more action, you know. And I, lo- I, I love all the guards that were, because, you know, in these types of games, you're going to have three or four different types of guards that are coming. And I thought to myself, like, you're in an in a office building. more. I mean, obviously, it's the bad guy's building. But I thought, who runs the HR department of this place? <laughs> like, there are guys with no shirts and zombie guys. And I, I, just, I was like, I don't know who all these people are walking around in this building, but they are well. Oh, and this game features one of my favorite things in video games. And that is the ability to shoot dogs. Um, and make them yelp, which I'm being a little sarcastic there. Um, I, you know, I, I don't, and I was going to ask you about this. Are, are there things in video games like moral, does it bother you? Like, like if you're shooting and I I mean, if I didn't feel, I don't, I'm not, uh, gosh, what's a good way to put this. It doesn't bother me to shoot zombie bad guard people. I feel like they deserve, they, they knew what they were getting into when they got hired. Um, (laughs) they knew that someday an action hero might show up and blow up the place. So I feel like they're okay. But does it bother you to shoot dogs in video games? For some reason it does. And I don't know why, uh, because they're just pixels on the screen, but there's, uh, yeah, I, I don't, if you put me in a first person shooter type game, uh, and they, they send the dogs at me, I will try to avoid shooting them rather than, than shooting them. And I, I, again, I'm not sure where that comes from. And you're right. Um, it's, I mean, obviously, obviously I, I don't want to shoot dogs in real life either. <laughs> right. But. Right. This is just pixels. You're right. But, um, and, and there was something about the little Yelp sound <laughs> they made every time you, and you could, you know, if you're a hand to hand, like if you're near them and you jump, they would just fall over or you could shoot them and they went like, that. it just bothered me for some reason. And, mm, and um, yeah. I don't know, but that was definitely, uh, I don't know that. I think of all this. And and you know what? With the uh, the rocket launcher, 
you could shoot an exploding barrel and set six people on fire and they would run around on fire and that didn't bother just me. Just fine with that, right? yeah. But, but something about the dogs I'm not a fan of, but um Yeah, there's that that empathy of uh, responding to the to those animals, I guess. Yeah. Um so there there is a, a the game does try to help you along because it's a a situation where you can go back and, and cover ground that you've been to before on each level. Uh, if you don't get to the red doors, eventually it'll start flashing this caution sign, a big red caution. But that's that's less a um, you have five seconds left sort of a thing, and more just a kind of like you need to get the documents. But it, and if you if you take too long, eventually you will get a countdown. But mm-hmm. I didn't see that very often. No, I, I did. Um, you know what happened on uh, that first level? There's at the very bottom of the of the first level. Is that little half wall you were talking about? Mm-hmm. And uh, when I played with the uh, who was the the character you played with? Cart Bradfield. Yeah, okay. The first one. So when he jumps, he does a forward flip. It reminded me of uh, Impossible Mission from Epics. You know, you run and you do that forward flip jump. So I found he could get over that wall pretty easily. But as Jad, you had to be in the exact right spot to jump over that stupid wall. and Because he's much bigger. Right. And so I jumped over the wall because there's a whole bunch of extra things to get and points and all that. And then I could not jump back over. I tried again. And and when you're jumping back over, you're doing it from inside an elevator. So you get one try and then you land. If you miss, you land and then the elevator goes up and then it comes back down and then you try again. And there's an elevator going up and down on the other side. So you have to, you know, wait for these things to line up. And I tried again and again and again. I probably tried it 20 times and then I got to see the countdown timer <laughs> and <laughs> yeah. I died on yeah. that side trapped over there. You, you definitely have a long time before you trigger that. And then once that triggers, you still have a long time before you end up uh dying entirely i on on that little side note though i I do like the fact that the game is smart enough to to uh, make it the gameplay different between the characters in that yeah okay jed's jad's bigger he's going to have a harder time getting through these these tight spaces than than Edie or cart mm-hmm. so that mm-hmm. was a nice touch right and, and obviously the uh the girl was the smallest so she was the fastest so she she ran much faster but again like i said there was very little time in the game where i was like oh i wish i would have run faster you know what i mean like it i mean it was different but i didn't see that it helped me that much on the other hand like you know it it did not do a good job of setting up situations where certain superpowers of each of the different characters influenced how you got past certain obstacles right right yeah they all have the same path ultimately which is for me it would death (laughs) (laughs) yeah this is not an easy game it's we haven't talked about this yet but this is a two-player cooperative game and I didn't have anyone to, to play along with me, but I imagine that this could be a whole lot of fun playing it with another friend. And, of course, they've built in the, the continue quarter munching aspect. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if, if you die and your friend's still playing, are you going to quit? No, I don't think so. You know, so you can go through a pocket full of quarters really quickly playing this game. But but I think it'd be a, a heck of a good time playing with friends. Yeah, I did. Um, exp- well, after I, I got... Uh, what was my high score of the week. I did try to play a few times where I continued to see if I could get further. And one thing I noticed is if you get whatever your final score is, it adds one point for each time you continue. So if you've continued one, let's say your high score is just 10,000, but if you continued once and you got to 20,000, your score is actually 20,001. 
So by looking at the scores, you can tell if a person has continued or not, which I thought oh, that was uh, uh, interesting. And also, it, it, it reminded me of so many games of that time where you have two people and it's frantic action. So if your friend, like if you your friend dies or whatever, there's almost like a, a moral <laughs> imperative <laughs> for them to put a quarter in because if you die, now the game's over and you've lost your right. progress, you know? So kind of like gauntlet, you know? So like there's two of you, one dies. Well, now it's like all the weight's on you. So you're like, hurry up, get back in, get back in, you know? And so <laughs> I thought, I bet, I bet it did uh, uh, bring in some quarters at the time. As I'm thinking about it, there's there's there was a lot of borrowing from different types of, from the fighting game genres, um, and I guess that would make sense because it's a title game and title made a lot of uh, beat 'em ups. Uh, but Elevator Action Two has uh, codes so that you can return later to the level uh, that you had made it to previously. Uh, you could walk away from the game, come back the next day, put your code in, and pick up where you left off. Oh. That's cool. Um, so what did you think about, um, as far as like, well, we talked a little bit about the characters, but like the animation and stuff, did you like that? I thought the animation was pretty great. You know, when, when the, especially the flames and the explosions or it wasn't <laughs> yeah. the same, it wasn't the same set of flames in every explosion. And it was kind of nicely layered with orange and red and with gray smoke. And, uh, there was some kind of, there, there's a lot of, um, flashing of characters, you know, when you die and restart, that makes sense. Cause it shows you where you're regenerated and stuff, but sometimes just standing there, your, your characters or, or, uh, the movement of, of the other sprites would flicker oddly. And, and that may just have been a, a, an artifact of playing this on an LCD and playing in MAME as opposed to the, the CRT, but that kind of bugged me sometimes. I did read that um, there, there's a couple of ports about this, and we'll talk about that, but the Sega Saturn, one of the features that they mention on the uh, Sega version is that they re- uh, fixed the flickering of your character's shadow, which I thought was interesting oh. because... I thought I thought it looked kind of cool. Like I thought that's how a shadow would look in a building. Like I thought they had like I thought it was a feature, not a bug. <laughs> well, the the shadow thing, yeah, I didn't. I wasn't aware that that was a problem. I, I what I was noticing more was just you if you if you sort of stood there or if you watch one of the, watch one of the other characters moving. Sometimes there would just be this odd screen flicker that, hmm. that happened and it had nothing to do with the shadow. And like I said, it may have just been playing on a sixty hertz LCD screen playing a game that was designed for a big CRT. Mm-hmm, yeah. so. I did see that um, a couple of times. Like you mentioned the the barrels. There are barrels that you can send. They will explode, but you can just almost like send them out before you, if that makes sense. Like you can just start this barrel rolling and you actually get more points if the barrel hits somebody versus you shooting them. So I would send the barrel down to the end of a hallway where there are a bunch of guys and then shoot it and it would explode. And then And the best part was when a door would, like there's all this fire and the door would open, like somebody would just walk down the hallway. They're like, hey, let's go. Ah! And then they would just catch <laughs> on fire and start running around. Or but I, I did think the, the graphics were really detailed for, I thought they were more detailed than a game like this probably deserved, if that makes sense. Like, I don't know that they yeah. needed all that, but the backgrounds in the hallway, there's all these little features and, and you could tell that the building is crumbling and, and uh, you know, there's piles of trash that you can uh, blow up and search for things, but a lot of detail in the background very beautiful interactive environment uh lots to see lots to play with all of it i thought looked really good and all of it blended well together i never felt like that that i could distinctly see there, there was i was never aware of a difference between oh i'm looking at a, a foreground character that was obviously done by a different team of animators in the background um the music was kind of fun it was sort of that light almost elevator jazz music <laughs> which would make sense if you're riding up and down in elevators right, um right 
but it was it was never intrusive or annoying. The sound effects were were sharp, especially when you got some of those heavier guns that had a lot of bass to them. You know, mm-hmm. I can imagine a full cabinet really kind of feeling that shake you and 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 being a sort of that bone crunching visceral response to what you're seeing on the screen, which makes it seem more makes it feel a little more real world, and and that's a good thing, I think. Yeah, and you mentioned uh, the graphical style at the end of each level. There's like a splash screen, like a, a full screen graphic. It's just, just drawn, you know, of <laughs> yeah. like, I think the first one, they're all in the van and it's like completed and they're all like, you know, kind of, I think the girl is standing out the sunroof, you know, and they're all, but I like those. And I, you know, um, I mean, that's definitely an arcade kind of thing. Like this is your little reward, like this picture for beating the level. Right. Uh, and I, I, I love that graphical style. I'm, I'm always going to be an eight bit, 16 bit kind of guy you know and so I, I i really like those yeah me too um for me i i think uh, i was probably more upbeat than than you overall just because you had more of a tendency to compare it to the older game um but yeah i really i really like this one i think once i quit thinking about this as elevator action 2 and i started thinking about it as random platformer blowing up stuff then i started yeah. enjoying it a lot more yeah that that makes a lot of sense Okay, let's talk about some tech stuff. What do we got here? Uh, this is based on, like I said, it came out in, in 94, so it's uh, much later in the life of the arcades, and the, the, the hardware that it was running on was a lot more powerful. Um, and so this is based on the Taito F3 system. Uh, with Okay, so it's, that's a Motorola MC68EC020 for, for the main CPU. Uses a Motorola MC68000 for the sound. It uses an, an Insonic ES5505 and an ES5510 DSP, the digital signal, digital signal processor for the sound chip. The screen resolution is 320 by 224. Uh, it's a board and cartridge system, so it, it was easy for arcade owners to switch it out to another F3-type game. The Taito F3 description that I'm reading here lists as hardware features, four scrolling layers, two sprite, ba- two sprite banks, and alpha blending. So a lot of hardware there, and it, it really shows because there's a ton of stuff happening on the screen throughout the game. A lot of motion, a lot of sound, a lot of uh, eye candy going on there, and it never, ever, ever felt sluggish to me, even when everything was going off and buildings were coming down. Um, yeah, so uh, really great hardware there. Did you uh, did you have a chance to take a look at the cabinet, Rob? I did. You know, I think um, I've, I looked online at several different F3 uh, systems, and I found a lot of pictures of them in candy cabs. Are you familiar with those? The, uh, yeah. The white, uh, I don't know what they are, like almost a plastic, uh, what are they, uh, fiberglass looking? Uh, Something like yeah, that, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Sit-down cabinets, which makes sense because this game apparently was a lot bigger uh, in Japan than it was over here. Uh, but I... I can't find anything that's a, a dedicated Taito F3 cabinet. Now, if you Google hmm. uh, Elevator Action Returns, I found uh, a beautiful cabinet for this. It has a great marquee. It has all the artwork uh, and side art that says Elevator Action. Uh, and it's on, uh, I think it's in the uh, KLOV forums. And it was a custom cabinet that a guy built. Uh, so he, oh, wow. he has the okay. game and he really loved it. And, uh, I'll, I'll send you the link for that. If you want to put it in the show notes, yeah, because it, it's a great looking cabinet. Unfortunately, it appears, uh, to just be one of a kind, but everything I found, uh, of people selling these and originally even the manual just refers to it as a kit. So it looks like this is just something that you, uh, you know, purchased as, like you said, it's the, it's a combination of a motherboard and a cartridge. So it's similar to Neo Geo, that same type of thing where you can, uh, interchange 
change these cartridges and switch it out. It looks like there are 37 different games released for the F3 system. So, but some of those are uh, repeats. I would, I mean, like there's four different uh, puzzle bobble games. Uh, there are a couple different. There's a couple different newer Space Invader games. Yeah. So as far as a dedicated cabinet, I don't think there is one. I looked on eBay uh, and I didn't find any copies of this particular game, but I looked for, well, right now there are some F3, those combo with the PCBs going for uh, about $300, anywhere from 100 to 300, depending on what the game is. I did find um, the motherboard by itself for a hundred and all the sellers except for there's one or two that were US. There's about 25 auctions right now on eBay, um, but most of them are from Japan and South Korea. So th- there must just be, uh, must have been a lot bigger uh, draw for this game or for this, this. I mean, it might also be like you mentioned, um, you know, being in the early to mid nineties that might uh, explain why they're more overseas than here. Well, and, and one thing to keep in mind uh, as well is that here in the United States, uh, that the F3 system was marketed as uh, Taito CyberCore. Mm. Uh, so that might make a difference. I, I didn't do too much looking around at the, at the cabs, but uh, if, you're, if you're searching around for it, you might want to include CyberCore along with your F3 system searches. I don't, I don't see a difference between the two other than just maybe they thought um, Americans, North Americans would respond better <laughs> to a, a name like CyberCore than just an, a letter number designated. I think we do. I'm think, right now I'm thinking that would be a great place to work. Cybercore. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, because that's close to Cyberdyne Systems. Exactly. Which is and you would answer the phone, right? You'd be like, I work yeah. for Cybercore. <laughs> that's what I do <laughs> every right. day. Uh, if you don't uh, or, or don't want to pick up one of these originals and you don't want to play it on MAME, uh, there is a port for the Sega Saturn. Now, it is Japanese only, so uh, you'd have to have like a region mod on your Saturn to play this. But it was also released on Taito Legends 2, uh, and that's it's on the PlayStation 2, the original Xbox, and I think it's also available for the PC, but uh, this game is included in Taito Legends 2. So if uh, for some reason, if you didn't want to try it on MAME or, or if you weren't able to or something like that, you know, those are some other places. But um, but all the ports, every I mean, they look identical to MAME and to the arcade, so there's not uh, uh, big changes I didn't see. Yeah, it looks like there was also a title called uh, Elevator Action EX, which featured similar gameplay for the Game Boy Color. Oh, I didn't see that. There's not a lot of really deep story to this game. I mean, you you fight to the end of the level, you fight a boss, you move to the next level, and that's pretty much it. There's, I think, six areas in total. Each one has several levels that you get through. So there's a lot to see and do in the game. Uh, So overall, uh, how did you do Rob? Oh man, I knew you were going to make me go first. And I, I am. Um, <laughs> well, I got to figure out a score to make up, you know. This is the, the part of the show when we started talking about this that I dread the most. And it's because I feel like this is going to expose the fact that I love <laughs> video games and I'm normally very terrible at them. <laughs> so I, yeah, but your terrible is better than, than at least from the, the shows of yours that I've listened to that. Uh, of games that we've played, your terrible is better than our awesome. So right, I don't, but that's I only have that much to be worried. That's about. only because I mentioned the good ones. Okay, I do yep. feel uh, I did get one really good score, and I did not get anywhere near that every other time I played it. My highest score was one thirty one four hundred. 
Uh, yes. 131,400, which I was really proud of because I, the whole rest of the week, uh, my second highest score was 93,000. So it was okay. it was one time at the end of, uh, there's a, a part at the end of that. I, you said that you never got confused, like where to go. But at the end of the second level, there's all these, there's a, a section with all these like auto lifting platforms. Oh, and I right. found myself yeah. just going up and down and trying to figure out where to go and the one that I got my highest score on, uh, I did make it to the top and then like the world blew up. Like, like I don't even know what happened. <laughs> like a thousand people came out and I was dead so quick. So, but I, it, it seemed like I got some points maybe for just getting to that part. <laughs> so I think that's why uh, the score was higher that time. How about you? My experience is similar, and, and this seems to be the case a lot with these games. If you play them over the period of a week, you, you know, you have you get a hot hand every now and then, and mm-hmm. you know, you have one or two really great games, and the rest are like twenty or thirty or a hundred thousand less than that. So, like you, I, I had one really great game. My my really great game was one hundred and sixty-two thousand four hundred and eighty points. Uh, well, pretty close to yours. I was playing and the wrong the, guy. The Taff <laughs> let me down. Maybe that had something to do with it. I'm I'm not really sure. I found that for the most part, I scored kind of around the the mid to high seventy thousands mm-hmm. is, is usually what I did. Mm-hmm. the The furthest I ever got in a game with that was with that score uh, was into the sewer area, just at the very start of the sewer area. And then it, I don't know if it just ramps up in difficulty or because I didn't know what I was doing and it it um, killed me immediately. Fortunately, in this game, it, if you are the type of person who wants to see more and doesn't want to have to play through a whole bunch of stuff again, just to say so you did it on one quarter, it does have that continue feature. Uh, but man, this it, it's a tough game. Now, is this is this one that that you would you would want to own, or or are you content playing it with Mame? Uh, I'm okay with Mame on this one. When I look for games uh, that I want to own. Usually it's either one that I just really, 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 really love. And this is coming from a guy that owned 30 games at one time, <laughs> 30 <laughs> arcade machines in my background. You really love those 30 right. games. Right. <laughs> they were all big. Well, I, I, there's a third criteria, which I'll mention. But one, it has to be a game I really love. Or number two, it has to have some sort of unique control system that right. doesn't yep. easily uh, isn't easily played at home. And I know you guys, um, I, I have a couple of different... Like I've got a, a computer downstairs that I play MAME on. I got one upstairs and I have different controllers and control pad and different things just to try to see if one was easier. But all of them, I thought this game played just fine. I mean, it's a, it's an eight way joystick and two buttons. So I didn't feel like standing in front of a cab would add, you know, anything to that experience. But my, my third criteria for owning a game is that it's really, really cheap, uh, which explains <laughs> why I had a lot of games and a lot of them were in um, fairly shoddy condition. So I, I would say that, you know, I, this isn't a game I would own unless I found it for 50 bucks and then I, <laughs> and then I would probably own it. But uh, no, I, I didn't. It's not, it wouldn't go into my Hall of Fame, but I thought it was fun. Sure. If I were to buy a, a cabinet, it would be because uh, it was an F3 system, mm-hmm. you know, and I, wanted to, and I wanted to try out all the different F3 cartridges, and this would be a convenient way to do that. If, you, just, you know, you buy, buy one and, and then have fun and then just collect the cartridges and swap them out. Uh, but yeah, I don't really see any need to to go and and run down to the local uh, arcade uh, accessing um, <laughs> place. That we actually have a place here that kind of you know um, they re- they they fix. It's called the Game Exchange of Colorado. It's where the pinball IFPA happened uh, last year mm, or the year before. Okay. 
And uh, they have a lot of, um, you know, if you buy, if you go in there looking for a, a shiny, fancy, beautiful Gal- uh, Galaga cabinet, they'll sell it to you. It's going to cost you 1500 bucks. But they also have a lot of trash cabinets and parts and stuff. So if you're willing to do some work on your own, mm-hmm. uh, they, they have good deals there. And if, if I were to see this one there, like a beat up version of it that's not really working for 50 or 75 bucks, yeah, I'd buy it. The worst thing about this game overall was that there wasn't anything that drew, other than the name recognition, there's nothing that drew me in. Like when I, if I were to just walk past a row of arcade games, this is probably not one I would play. It looks like Rolling Thunder. It looks like um, Russian Attack. It looks like all that, you know, with any of those games that have, you know, platforms and a small, so there's nothing that really set it apart. Now, once I got into it and started playing it, I found it really fun. I found a lot of, you know, these features and like you said, picking the different characters and and, um, as you go further into the game, you get more and more enemies that have different skills. I mean, you start out with these guys that you're just shooting, but later there are guys with trench coats and shotguns that have to be shot twice. And those zombie guys with the dual pistols and, and on level two, there were the, um, the little, the shorter guys with the flamethrowers. And so, you know, as you go further, there's more and more to discover. And, and I assume if I were to get further <laughs> at the end of the second <laughs> level, there would be even more to see. And I probably will play, you know, just to, to get a little further. But I thought that that would be from a marketing standpoint, like what would draw people in just walking past, you know, you said that um, you've seen this in some of the, the retro cades that are out there now. I may have just walked past this game. You know, I just, you know, just not anything that uh, it wouldn't grab my attention, I guess, in an arcade, I would say. There seems to be two sort of things that happen when a company has a a game that or a product that stands out from whatever is popular at the time, but they don't know how to draw to catch people's eye to, to, to get people to play it. You know, for example, in this case, all the games out there at the time were fighters, mm-hmm. you know, and so, and this is clearly not a beat em up type fighter. Well, how do you compete with all those games, which is what everyone was playing? You go one of two ways. You either make it as, as visually similar to those other games as you can, or you go completely in the other direction and just go completely and just make it as, as different as you can. And I think in this case, it would have benefited I don't know what it would have done to the gameplay, but just as far as drawing people in, it probably would have done better had they gone with, um, you know, make it completely different, or make the look different, make mm-hmm. make it make the cabinet stand out, make you know, it's got to be different somehow. Otherwise, otherwise, it's just another. People are going to assume that it's a, a, a weird fighting game, and, and why play that when I can go play Mortal Kombat? Right, one I've already heard of. Sure, uh, I did notice that, and I forgot to mention this earlier with the scores, <laughs> the high score screen uh starts at 50,000 points and when you die at the when you when you die and the game ends oh, yeah. uh, the scores go away so unless you happen to be paying attention and saw what your score was right as you died and you didn't make 50,000 you don't know what you got yes yeah i ran into that um there was a time the first half of the week where i thought i'm never going to get 50,000 and so i actually uh, on my gamepad I have a, a button for pause. And so anytime that I would mm. hear the sound of me, you know, of the life escaping from your lungs, that, oh, that my guy would yeah. make, I would pause it and, and immediately uh, either take a screenshot or write down the score because I, I you're right, it, it goes away so fast. And there were a couple of times where uh, I had continued 
and then I would pause it and then I would see that the score and that's when I saw like my score was 46,001 and I was like, oh, okay. And so I tried that and, and each time you, the next time then I continued and it was 46,002 or whatever. So it's keeping track of how many times you've continued that way, which I thought was kind of interesting because if you come in like back then you look at Mortal Kombat and there'd be the guy that was, you know, had beaten the game and you're like, well, did you do it on one quarter or did you do it on 20 bucks? You know, because, and right. there was no way to tell, but, um, you know, so I did like that. It kind of tracked, uh, tracked that. Yeah. So overall uh, a winner for me, I had a great time playing this. It sounds like you did too. Uh, so what are we going to play next week, Rob? Oh, all right. Well, it's my first pick. And so let's go through the five. Oh, here's a good one. Let's play this. All right, Rob. Well, uh, thank you very much for joining me this week. And again, goodbye and good riddance to that Canuck. Uh, I'm just kidding. Thank you very much, Carrington. We had a great time. And uh, I'm sure we'll have you back for, you know, special features and in the field reports from Carrington or something. We'll see you down the road. Thank you for, for everything. And thank you, listeners. There's, you know, there, there wouldn't have been a show if it hadn't been for that, that huge outpouring of support because I was done. I was going to quit. I didn't think there was any point in continuing. And uh, you guys let me know that uh, you care about the show and you wanted to hear more. So I went and uh, blackmailed uh, Rob, and he's here with us now. <laughs> and uh, until he figures out how to get out of it, uh, we'll be back next week. Thanks, everybody. Hey folks, Mike here again. Remember, old monsterfeet.com slash no quarter. New no quarter podcast.com.